Hello, welcome to the Gab and Jules show. No Gabriel and Marcotti today. He's on holiday again, some would say, but not me. So look, who's in? Nede Manua is with me. Man, what a weekend we've had. Yes. Everywhere in Europe, by Munich losing, PSG miraculous win, Barca and Real Madrid. We've got the Champions League as well coming back this week too and the Europa League uh, playoff second leg but Saturday was a crazy day in the Premier League it was it, it, it was. really was and you know just when you think everything's making sense all of a sudden there's so many twists in it especially yeah. from a Man City perspective yeah, would you yeah. like to get into that Jules? yeah of course because that Premier League title race really where when you think that okay maybe now it's a bit more set and it's a bit more this and and yet, there's another twist, as you mentioned. So yeah. we'll start with City because Arsenal was an incredible game too. And, yep. you know, they, they, they win. But I guess before you would expect them to win a Villa and City to win a Forest, City didn't. And they missed a lot of chances. Yeah. I think the XG is, is around three. Yeah. Scored just one. Yeah. There's the Lapo miss. There's the Haaland misses. Yeah. Where, what, what was your assessment of that game? Do you know, I've got to say, though, I think more people would have expected City to win at Forest than Arsenal to win at Villa. Because Maybe, there yeah. were a few doubts being raised about Arsenal, yeah, rightly true, or true. wrongly. Yeah. So that was always going to be a big game for them. Yeah. And I think the way that they finished it to win and to win by two goals, that's that's like a statement. You celebrate that. It's massive. Mm. Late win. So City then approached their game against Nottingham Forest, knowing again that it's a, it's a must win because you, you had the disappointment of seeing Arsenal gain the three points because that was a game that was televised. And then City, overall, they very much controlled the game. They very much created all the chances. Yeah. But as I was watching the game, I thought they need to score a goal. That's what I thought first half. Then they got one. Okay, that's a good spot. Yeah. Second half, it just felt like they needed to score another. And the chances they were missing, they weren't like shots from 20 yards out hitting no. the crossbar. Yeah. Haaland had two cha- two big chances. Laporte had a header from five yards yeah. out. There was even the one where Phil Foden was running through and tried to yeah. set it to Haaland. He fell over, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, these are huge opportunities. But then one thing I think which people need to take into account He's playing away from home in the Premier League is always going to be tough because for Forest, as much as they felt very negative overall throughout the game, they still had to give their fans some reason to stay in the stadium mm-hmm. and they were going to go for it more. And I think as the time progressed, you could sense they put on Chris Wood. They wanted to be a bit more progressive. Yeah. And then they got the goal and now they've got time in their favour because that was an 83rd minute yeah, for City. Was, Can you yeah. create any more big chances like that in the last 10 minutes? The answer is no. And before you know it, there's a one-all away from home, two-point strike. I guess as long as you're just one-nil down, at you're some, always, point, you're at some point you're going to say, you know what, for 20 minutes, may as well go for it. If we lose two or three-nil, it's okay, we were still losing exactly. one. Exactly, exactly. So two questions I've got for you. One, do, do you always know when you were playing, if you were in a title race like this and the other team was playing before, mm. were you always aware of that result? Always aware. Okay, so always they, aware. they would tell you or someone always would tell aware. you. I think... Because of the nature of it, like to put it into perspective, most stadiums that I went to, maybe it's different club to club, but most yeah. stadiums that I went to, there'd be a TV in there. Yeah, yeah. And Or say when you're on the bus on the way to the yeah. stadium, there's yeah. a TV on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not going to be watching the news. The likelihood yeah. is you're watching the football. Yeah. Whatever game that is, whether it's Arsenal, whether it's Bournemouth, makes no difference. You watch that game. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have that sort of instinct about watching what's happening and you get caught up in the emotions of it especially when it's a rival that, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, playing title, yeah. and I think if they decide to say well we're not going to watch we're going to turn it off I think that shows that it's kind of in their heads anyway yes 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 because yes. if you normally watch every game then why would you avoid this one so when you could see that the carrot was there you could say that it doesn't matter but of course it matters of course it matters yeah. so I think 
Yeah, from that standpoint, they'd see it and they would have felt the disappointment. But the way they played the game, they didn't play, they didn't have a bad game. No, I agree. They didn't have a bad I game agree. at all, but they I didn't agree. take their chances. And ultimately, yeah. you get punished for that because if you're not clinical in the Premier League, so and my other question was about those chances. Is there a point in a game where your team is missing chances where you think, okay, this is not going to be out there, or yeah. you, you have to keep believing, okay, they, one is going to go in again? Yeah, you have to keep believing. But from like a defensive standpoint, you've got such little say about people taking chances. Yeah. Like you're up there, and it's great that you're creating them. But then you know as every minute passes that the pressure's higher. Because you know what it feels like? That game felt to me like an FA Cup game against a side that's like lower down or something yeah, yeah, in a yeah. different league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're still in with a chance. They're still in with a chance. And so this game's put to bed. Like, Forest haven't scored a ton of goals this season. No. So if you score two against them, the likelihood of you winning is very high. Yeah. But they're capable of scoring one. That's why they're in the position that they're in sort of closer towards mid-table now. Because they can get like a 1-0 one, one no win and so on. So it can be stressful. But it's just... It's such a bad goal to concede. It's a shame they didn't take those chances. But if we're going to be positive, the, being able to create chances at the highest level is always a positive mm. because most teams don't even have that ability yeah, to have yeah. that many big yeah, chances. Yeah, for sure. But unfortunately for them, it came at the cost of Arsenal winning their game. And now all the good stuff from midweek in that game against Arsenal at the Emirates is now basically out the window. Yeah, It was an incredible turnaround for Arsenal who conceded two goals. I think the only two shots pretty much that yeah. Villa had up to the up to then, up to the second goal. Then they had chances after later on. But and I think mentally in the space that Arsenal would have been in after the defeat at Everton and the draw against Brentford, you know, regardless of referees or not, the defeat against City where Arsenal didn't play badly. Yeah. But then, you know, City were very clinical, unlike the yeah. Forest game. To come back from two one down away from home and Massive, go two two, three two and then the fourth goal, which yeah. that plus two in the goal difference yeah. at the end of the season might be important, might not be psychologically that must be that must be huge in the dressing room oh, afterwards absolutely the way they would have celebrated that win might be more so than any other game so far this season yeah. and it's not to say just because it was the biggest game but the nature in which you did it to come back from a losing position in football is a huge moment to do it so late when the pressure's on when your team's not in the best of form mm. it's massive again that's why you see the whole bench going crazy yeah, as the goals yeah. are going in because it's like it's a win but it's more than a win it's like confirmation that, you know, we are real. We fight to the end and we'll find a way to do this. Like, that means going forward in any game, if they're behind, they've got the history to mm. show that they can come back. Yeah. I think if they would have just ended up losing and didn't have any fight about them, then that's an issue. But instead, they've shown real strength, real, real togetherness, and they know that they're still very much in control of their own destiny mm. after so many people wrote them off just a few days earlier. Uh, we would talk about the... The, the fixtures list come in for, for, for Arsenal and City and actually it's quite similar in who they still have to face in terms yep. of big games although City have them all at home uh, compared to Arsenal who will have home and away games um, and especially away actually uh, but, but let's go back just to the weekend and we finished we talked about we're going to talk about United in a bit but we talked about Arsenal a little bit compared to City I just wanted to come back to that Villa game mm. and Thomas Partey not being there yeah. I think he's, I mean, Jorginho is a really good player, different, same position, different profile to party, certainly not in terms of, of physicality. Yeah. But maybe even the more of a ball playing holding midfielder. Uh -huh. And the goal he scored, obviously, obviously, very good goal, although he can try again and you yeah. know, he would never go in that way. Yeah. But defensively, do they worry you a little bit in the sense that? You know, we saw Saliba being, well, let's say, struggling against Tony, mm. struggling against Cavalloon, even to some extent, struggling against Watkins, certainly on that first goal that Villa scored. Mm. They don't keep clean sheets anymore compared to earlier in the season, certainly not as much. Do that worry you in a, in a title race? Mm. 
do you have to be better defensively than offensively? Because goals are always going to come. Yeah. So is it the, top, the, the tightest team between City, Arsenal and United, especially Arsenal and City, I guess, or, or actually does, that doesn't make a difference? I think it does make a difference, but I think it's about your perspective. So if Arsenal were playing better, they'll control more of the ball, they'll have more yeah. territory, so you won't really have many opportunities to score against them. I think yeah. that'll be the biggest thing. Are they giving up a ton of big chances to the opposition? Or the opposition just taking the chances that are presented yeah, no, to them true. now. Villa were clinical certainly the first exactly, 80, yeah. 75 like, minutes. If, if they're getting torn apart, then that's an issue. And yeah. I think when you mentioned before about Tony and Calvert-Lewin and others, like, those are big centre-forwards who would be dominant, well, not dominant, but compete really, really well against anybody in yeah, the league. Yeah. We saw Tony against City. Exactly. Yeah. So now that you've seen that, and you don't potentially have to see it again, I think you see that as a positive. Yeah. Um, I think defensively, it would be fantastic to keep a clean sheet. But if they kept clean sheets all throughout this season, but then didn't score as many goals as they want, then they're not going to win the league title. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, in my mind, I've always felt, even as a defender, that the ability to score goals is the thing which gives you the most confidence on the field. Mm. Because you could be having a perfect game and somebody scores from 40 yards out into the top corner. Yeah. What would you do differently? The answer is nothing. There's yeah, nothing yeah, you could yeah. do. But I think the fact, say, for example, that they score four goals away from home, that's really significant. That's really significant. Always, from my perspective, means you've got a chance. I think, look at Man United, they've kept a ton of clean sheets and the like. But we talk about the goals that Rashford's scoring. Yeah. The fact that they're opening sides up, scoring nice goals. I think for City, every time they don't get a result, for example, against uh, Forest, it's because not because they conceded one. Because they only scored yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, that's, my, that's my perspective on it. But I think the two things do go hand in hand because the teams who sit at the top, they control the games more than others and yeah. limit the chances the opposition have. So I think that's my sort of balance with that thing. Yeah, and that's a fair But I'm, To talk about the lineup again, so no party, as we yeah. said, we're not really sure exactly when he's going to come back. Uh, they, obviously, they obviously have uh, a week to prepare now for the away game at Leicester and then they will have... A, game in midweek against Everton at home after that yeah. so, so kind of back to back compared to others who won't have that double game week kind of thing it was interesting that Arteta who's been by far the most of the, of the, the top teams the mm-hmm. most conservative one in terms of starting 11 maybe because yeah. of a lack of depth in the squad yeah. maybe because that starting 11 was working so well together you could yeah. clearly see that they, they all knew what exactly the other was doing in midfield up front defensively now it changed Martinelli went yeah. to the bench was dropped Trossard started and Martinelli coming on by the way which I think you saw certainly for me the impact that he can have as a, as a sub yeah, yeah, coming yeah. on which I don't think Trossard because he's a different player yeah. but Martinelli brings you so much energy yeah. and that kind of like I'm going to run at you after mm. 70th or 75th yeah, minute you when you're tired already yeah. Trossard is different he's yeah. very good but he's different yeah that, I totally agree I think if I was to be playing on the, on the field for Villa you'd if you flip it and you saw Martinelli coming off and Trossard coming on, you, you appreciate that Trossard is a very good player. Mm. But you just think that physically you won't have to exert yourself any more than you just did to deal with Martinelli. Yeah. Like you saw his speed for the goal. When he was, he must have been so excited when that ball got headed clear. He knew all he had to do was run in a straight line. It's quicker than probably 95% of players <laughs> in the Premier League. So here's his big opportunity. Did you see he kind of celebrating yeah. and then he stopped? Because he like, imagine he bubbles and then oh, like... Oh, <laughs> man, yeah. Let me get closer. Just this thing, like, people all dream of playing at the highest level, playing in a game on TV in the Premier League, but not many people have the chance to celebrate on the edge of the box with no goalkeeper in goal. What a rare moment that is. But I think the, the Arsenal rotation, I, th- I personally think Arteta's conservative, not necessarily because he doesn't have the squad, it's because he just wants to be conservative I think there's yeah. some managers who prefer having smaller squads 
I think if he was desperate to have a bigger squad, I think he'd make more noise about it. And I think they would have backed him potentially a bit more. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily need to be like top, top caliber players coming in. If he just wants bodies, they could get bodies. You could have people to back up. Like you could literally bring someone in and say, you yeah, are a backup. Yeah. Similar in the way to how we feel about Jorginho, you could say. Yeah. But he's not doing that. So I think to manage a smaller group is something he's interested in. And I think, um, obviously, they've been pretty healthy overall as well this season. Like that's been very significant. And yeah. as you mentioned before, Jorginho is a good player. But this Arsenal side feels better to me with Partey. Yeah, it feels like a it feels like a big miss for me. So whereas you can manage other positions, it seems like for that one, it doesn't necessarily change the identity completely because it's still a winning side. But Partey has like been one of the best players in the Premier League this mm. whole season. I think and I think he breaks down the opposition to tags more than yeah. more than Jorginho, yeah. who's not maybe as mobile. Exactly. But I don't know if you saw there was a I thought a fascinating answer from from Pep Guardiola in the press conference before the Forest game mm. when someone asked him about the comment that he made after the, the Arsenal win when he said that the first half was horrible. Yeah. But the, the, the guy asked the question by saying, Oh, you said the first half was horrible and you played Bernardo Silva as left back and he goes like, No, no, no. I said the first half was horrible, but not because Bernardo played the left back. And then he's trying explaining that when he's got those gut feelings or something that he's thinking about, I need to play this player in this position, which we all think, okay. And he said, like, you think I'm overthinking, but I'm not overthinking. It's what I think is the best plan to win the game. And he said, once I've got it in my head or in my gut, I have to go for it. And I think Arteta, as, as a disciple of Pep, as much as he is, no problem. I don't think right now, He's got that in him of mm. like, you know, and Pep, and Pep said, just to finish on, he said, you know, I could easily play the same team all the time or the team that you expect here yeah. with the Bruyne starting, with Gundogan starting. And he said, but there's a reason why I don't play them. But I could play them and say, okay, it doesn't matter now. It's the team that everybody expects. Mm-hmm. They win, it's good. They don't win. Well, it's okay. It's not the manager's fault because it's the team that yeah. he should have played kind of thing. Yeah. He said, but I don't see it like that. I see it like if I put the Bruyne on the bench, it's because I saw something else in my head that could trouble Spurs. So yeah. I play that and then I hope for, yeah. I hope for a win. Mm-hmm. And I think Arteta right now, conservatism is not, it's not a bad thing, especially no. when you're winning, when you got 50 points in the first yeah. half of the season. But I wonder if one day he will have that kind of gut instinct like Pep or if he will always be a bit more I think, yeah, cautious. I, th- I think because they were winning so many games it's quite easy to pick the same team yeah I think if they were in a spell whereby say maybe people were injured and they weren't dominant in the games that they played in I think he would be looking for something different we can have people who you know believe in like a 4-3-3 and so on and so forth but still you might want to tweak something when the yeah. opposition is of a certain thing they have a certain strength like say City come and they're going to have like six midfielders just right in front of your midfield three are you going to adjust to that or are you going to take the stance that we are the dominant team we stick with what we do mm-hmm. and I think for now he's very confident being that because the team's done so well and maybe it will change but also I like what Guardiola was saying yeah shock horror me the City fan likes what Guardiola no, was saying because if I think to myself if I had a feeling in my gut and I was the one who had control if I went against it and you lost how do you live with yourself Yeah. because as well it's easier to revert back to what you know in a game but it's harder to change to something that you don't know Say so if you start with a four-three-three, yeah. and all of a sudden you want to think, "Oh, let me invert this and do that," that brings confusion. Yes, and if there's good, if it's not going to work out, you'd rather you have time to address it. So you would and rather start with the gut. Feeling rather start with the gut feeling, and then maybe change and go back, time, and go, go back, back to, to something, something that you know. Normal, because yeah. if the gut feeling is working, then great. But if it's not, you know something that has a good chance of working anyway. There's never a guarantee. Yeah, 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 because sure. some of the people for that sure. I speak to when they talk about football, they're adamant: if you play this player in this position in this formation, the team will win. 
that's not football. Yeah. Because you're playing against 11 other players. Yeah. You were also pretty good at football. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I get that. I do understand what people say. If we go back to City, so well done to Arsenal for that win. And yes. it was, in a way, uh, like a little miracle, really, when you think that they were still trailing with five minutes to go in yeah. the game. And as we said before, that could go a long way in this title race. For City, can you talk to me about Phil Foden? Because, okay, I, you know, I'm a big Real Maris yeah, fan. He's yeah. my guy. Yeah. I really didn't expect him to be dropped Robins, for that yeah. game. Um, what happens in the Phil Foden chance with Haaland? Is he caught in between going, going for himself? Mm. Because suddenly me watching the game, I was like, okay, it's pretty obvious that you have to square it. Yeah. Okay? And it seems that he's a bit torn in between, do I square it to Haaland who he can clearly see and he's probably yeah. calling him? Yeah. Or do I go for it? And in the end, you do neither, you, you, yeah. you fall over and it's, it's a ridiculous... It's, yeah, so, the, so that moment looked ridiculous. I think the running behind and all that stuff was great. I think yeah, overall yeah. he had a good game. But in that moment there... I think for me, you can see the fact that he's not been playing week in, week out recently. Like he had some time away mm. and there was a bit of rust in decision-making, like the way the mind works when you're doing it all the time versus when you're just back in. Because he knows that like, oh, I should probably pass this to Haaland, but he takes half a second too long and it's like a tiny bobble and now he's chasing his touch, trying yeah. to play the ball. If you are fully locked in and know exactly what you want to do from the get-go, you just do it. Yeah. If, you, if he's running through, he wants to take a shot, he would have shot. If he's running through knowing he needs to make the pass, he would have made the pass earlier. Mm. But instead, he's, he's had a moment of indecision and he's been punished by that little... By, it's just, it wasn't the worst touch in the world, but it was a touch that meant that he couldn't lay on a yeah. good quality ball. And the decision itself to pass wasn't necessarily the wrong one, but the timing of it can make such a big difference. And it's again, it's a shame for him because he seems like somebody who needs to climb back in terms of his confidence. Yeah, definitely. And he's going to look back at that, especially given the fact that the team's now drawn mm. and know that that was probably going to be City's clearest opportunity in the whole game. He's basically 2v1 with a goalkeeper yeah. and there wasn't even a shot that was registered. It's the easiest miss in the world to forget about because they didn't have a shot, yeah. you know. And it's a shame that he's in that spot and I'm sure Mara's another player who won a cycle. I think he only, I, look, I looked it up this morning, he only started three games since the, the restart after it was, the World Cup. Do you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd heard they maybe had one or two issues away from the field, which is yeah. that to affect him on the field because his play, general play had become quite poor for how high his standards yeah, are. Yeah. But that was coinciding with Grealish playing better, with Mahrez playing better. So I'm sure that didn't help because he didn't have a continuous flow of games mm. to try and rectify the situation. And he went away and then he was out of a few squads as well. And yeah. it was weird because he was playing at the World Cup for England. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. one of the better players for England at the World Cup. But then something's been missing. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, from a rehabilitation standpoint, whether it's physical, mental and so on, he's in a better spot now. Because if City are to be successful, they will need him. Because in that first half of the season, he was exceptional. He was City's second top goal scorer behind Haaland. So I, I, I think he's coming back into it. I think the positive, there were positive signs there yesterday or a couple of days ago and how he played against Forrest. Yeah. But I'm sure, because he's, he's very driven. He's very, very driven. Like, that decision would be made a lot earlier the next time he's running through like that. And it wouldn't surprise yeah, me if he went to a goal. Like like that. that won't happen. He's too good yeah. for that to happen again. And also, yeah, to, yeah. just to mention, one thing about him, Haaland and the like, I think we analyse their play and we're very critical of them. And it's also easy to forget they're 22 because they're so good already. Yeah, 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 true. You know what I mean? So That's when true. Phil Foden's out of form, it's like, oh, what's happening? But then if it was another 22-year-old that like fell out yeah. of form for a little bit, you'd be I like, agree. ah. This, I, just right. would have, I mean, my boy Mares would have made that square pass. Yeah, of course he would. I but mean, unfortunately, you got, you, you got your nil, is it nil point? Philippe, nil point fantasy football? Philippe, I'm sorry, but that's, that's nil what point, I would have said. Nil point fantasy football. Real Mares should play every nil day. Nil point fantasy football. Nil point fantasy football. 
Paul. That's true. That is true. As painful as it is, it's true. Right. If we look at the games coming for yes. both of them, um, the Arsenal have less. I mean, just briefly, Leicester, Everton, Bournemouth, Fulham, Palace. I, I didn't say at home and away. City have Bournemouth, Newcastle, Palace, West Ham, and Liverpool. So you could say maybe because of Newcastle and Liverpool, you know, slightly harder for for City. But like we said, you, they can still win those games yeah. 3-0 and then maybe draw against West Ham because it could be tricky you know, and same for Arsenal it doesn't matter what I think is important is that City still have to play Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Newcastle and all those games will be at the Etihad yeah. all those games Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Newcastle will be at home when Arsenal for example have to go to Liverpool go to Newcastle go to City and then they will have the Chelsea, the, the Chelsea game at home so again you would think that playing at home is an advantage, yeah. which I think it is. Even if you play against top teams, yeah, of course you can lose at home to yeah. a Liverpool, or you can go away, you can you can go away and and beat Liverpool. It doesn't matter so much, but that's quite significant. Yes. Do you players look at the? I mean, managers know I think the fixture list by heart mm. for the next fifteen games or so. Do players? Look that far ahead? Do they look? Do they? Do they? It does it matter? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think you can look, but you don't focus. I think you know what all the game's going to be, but say for City this week, it's it's about Leipzig. Yeah, and they know that you know they're going to be traveling over there. They know the strengths of them. They know the players that are playing well. They know like Nkunku's back. Yeah. you know Vardiol's talking, all that stuff. So that will make a difference. But then after that. I suppose you know you put it's, like I said you know but the focus isn't there Yeah, I think those home games and stuff will matter I think for us from the outside we're very not not guilty of it because I don't think it matters but we sort of like associate points to a team based on the fact that they're playing at home against somebody yeah. you know what I mean like we say oh, so Arsenal are two points clear of City now with a game in hand so in my mind Arsenal are five points ahead yeah. even though they've not won the game in hand yeah. like I can't I can't I could never not do that if you know what I mean yeah, it's probably better to do that. But why though? Because you kind of prepare for the worst scenario instead of the. I'm talking about scenario. from from the outside though, because think of it this way: there's also another team further down the table with a game in hand. Yeah, but you team. wouldn't say that they're losing that game. No, true. You know what I mean? When I look yeah, at the yeah. table and there's a team like mid-table who's played a game less, I think about where they'll be after they win the game. Yeah, but they both can't win the game. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> In my mind, that's just what I do. It's like stupid. I'm sure some other people do that, but I think. The fixtures are very interesting. I think for City, the reason people won't stop backing them is because they've seen them go on runs before against anyone and everyone, and they have the ability on their day to win these games, especially if they're clinical, especially if Haaland continues to do what he's done throughout the season. It's very hard to doubt them. And I think from Arsenal, because we've seen them do stuff which makes us doubt them in the past, there's this belief that, oh, they'll probably slip up here or slip up there. But in that first half of the season, they were nearly flawless. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were absolutely incredible. And now they had a bad week and everyone's quick to write them off because they thought, well, this is Arsenal doing yeah. what they're doing. The, the analogy that I saw getting passed around, which I thought was unfair, was like a picture of an elephant sitting in a tree. And it said, that's Arsenal. You have no idea how it's there, but at some point, you know, it's going to collapse and fall down. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that like, is harsh. It's so, it's so harsh. harsh. It's so harsh, but it's based on people's emotions around watching Arsenal over the last few years. But it's Arsenal team feels different. But between Arsenal and City, and even United to an extent, City should be the most comfortable in this title race because they've been in the tightest, yeah. best yeah. title races ever with Liverpool in the last, what, twice in the yeah. last four years or so, or three times in the last five years. Yeah. So the- you would think that Arsenal can have a bit of pressure and apprehension. Same with United and Ten Hag for him, for whom it's all new. Yeah. 
City should be like, yeah, we've done this before. And by the way, not just we did this before, but we actually won this before. Yeah, th- th- that, that thing will make a difference, especially to the players who are out there who've been there and done it before. But then you ask the question, well, why have they not done better to this point? You know, that's... Yeah, but Pep was saying the other day, he doesn't think that, he doesn't feel City have had a bad season. No, they haven't. Arsenal have been no, no, no. overachieving in a way yeah. and doing extra well. But Arsenal, Arsenal to me now have kind of levelled off a bit because of the results that they had with the two losses in three yeah. games and stuff. They levelled off just a little bit because their trajectory before that was just incredible. Yeah, they were just, but they I were just never going to keep that up. We but all what, knew it. But that's the thing, we all knew it, but if their blip was three games, then they're going to be back, right back on track with what they were going to be doing before. I think yeah. for City, they know how to do it, but it's still relying on other teams to help. They only play yeah, Arsenal yes. once, and that was the significance of that draw against the uh, Forest. Yeah. Because now, they could go on and beat Arsenal, but it still might not be enough. Yeah. And that also is an interesting one, because if we talk about people in the title race, Man United feel like they're in there, but they play neither Arsenal nor City. Yeah, so again, they're relying other, yeah. upon everybody else, yeah. but then still also knowing that they need to win it. And I don't know what... Like, I don't know how it's going to go. Any result between now and the season wouldn't surprise me, just because... So you mentioned for Arsenal playing Leicester, Everton, Bournemouth, Fulham Palace. Leicester... At the Leicester at home. There's yeah, Leicester yeah, in oh Leicester. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, so next weekend, yeah. That could be a tough game, especially yeah. after Leicester losing so badly against Man United. Yeah. Everton fighting for their lives. Bournemouth fighting for their lives. Yeah, yeah. Also in those games, the sides aren't the biggest and best sides, but everyone's got something to play for. Yeah. We're all we're all professionals. Like, yeah, there's more sure. to it. But it's, it's a great title race. I, I really know. don't know what's going to happen. No, but me personally, I would rather be in Arsenal situation. So you prefer being the hunted than the hunter? I prefer to be the team that's won the most games this season. Fair enough. Because City, it's great. I think I agree too. It's because, you know, I, get, I like the idea of, you know, being the hunter and getting there and winning it. But there's so many times where the hunter doesn't actually get the prize at the yeah. end. Yeah. But we are very quick to forget about it because there are times when they have. And City are relying upon other results going their way. And I'd never want to be in that situation. Yeah. I'd rather have the thing in my own hands yeah. now. That's fair. So I think there's a there's a third person in this marriage, you know, with you and me, uh, and that's Manchester United. Yeah. I think we have to mention them. Of course, of course, because no bias just, here, no bias here. They're two points behind City. Yep. Uh, with the same amount of games played, um, so if Arsenal win the game in hand, obviously United will be a bit a bit behind. But still, I think anything is possible. We talked about the uh, the fixture list, and as you mentioned, Adam. Uh, United have already played Arsenal twice and City twice. So they will have, on the big games left, they will have Liverpool, Newcastle and Spurs away. And then they will play Chelsea at home. So that's the four, the four games still to play against yeah. the, the bigger clubs, if you want. They can still drop points against everybody, as we've been saying. But they've got a much lower goal difference, by the way, as well, yeah. than City and Arsenal. Like yeah. quite a big swing to make. Yeah, it's uh, an extra point, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, so... Where, what's your assessment? I mean, I think they've lost one in 16 now. It's ridiculous. They go to the Camp Nou and pretty much deserve to win, even with players missing. Mm. Uh, they lost that game against Arsenal for a few seconds. They could have drawn that game, even yeah. if they didn't really deserve it. But still, yeah. obviously, the win against City was huge. Yeah. So where, what's your assessment of them? I think the fact that they don't have to play against City and Arsenal, again, is quite significant. Because yeah. some people can make the case that City deserves something from the derby. Yeah. But not many well depends actually Arsenal had nearly 30 shots in that game against United at the Emirates and the only one with the last kick of the game basically so Arsenal feel like they were a slight cut above what United are 
And with that, you don't want to continually have to play them. So then I look at United versus everybody else. United are one of the most informed sides in the Premier League. Mm. They have somebody who's one of the most informed players in the world. Yeah, yeah. Not just maybe the best. Maybe the literally best Europe, yeah, he's yeah. certified. He's scoring goals now and he's scoring big goals and they're winning games. They're confident. They're playing a style which the manager wants them to play. He fully understands it. They totally get it. They're probably going to win. Well, I don't say they're probably going to win, but they're going to have a great chance of winning in the Carabao Cup this weekend. Yeah. They're in a really good spot. And do you know what made me really realise how well they've done? So I think start of the season, they lost the first three games, yeah? It was yeah, like, well, first two, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was yeah. Brighton. Brighton and Brentford away, the 4 0, yeah. And after that, I think they just won the third game, maybe. But yeah, possibly. Was... I th- I'm not sure. But if they did win, if they did lose the first three, which I think they might have done, but I could be wrong. So at that point, Ten Hag had the worst start as a, as a manager for Manchester United in the last 100 years. Hmm. If Arsenal win the games in hand, United are less than nine points behind Arsenal. They lost the first three games yeah, of the yeah. season. If you disregard those first three games of the season, United are on the same pace yeah. or slightly ahead of what Arsenal have done. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... And I'd never thought about it from that sort of like perspective of putting it into a, into a mm. range. But now, it feels like they're winning every single week. They've drawn, obviously drawn a couple of games. Yeah. But... United Old Trafford to me feels like certified. The last time they lost a game at Old Trafford was that first game of the season against Brighton. Mm. And when you get to a point whereby when you turn up at home, you know you're going to be getting a result. It's crazy, isn't it? Teams that tend to do that are the ones who are in time. We're, we're talking, preparing for the show about Ten High and how much we've been impressed together uh, by his, the tactics. I think the... The thing that he tries work. I mean, we saw Veg Horst yeah. as a number eight against Barcelona at the Camp Nou, and yet you still go, you come, you come home with a draw. Yeah. I'm not sure how much Veg Horst had an impact on that draw, but still, it, was, it worked clearly. Yeah. Um, that Rashford, whether he plays centrally or wide, knows exactly what runs to make, and yeah. people serve him and give him the service. They find that space for him. Mm. The fullbacks play defensively, they play well, they stand. I think Casemiro helps. We saw that when he was not there, when he was suspended. Um, but yeah, Ten Hag has impressed you. Yeah, he's been, he's been very, very impressive. I think he had such a big name before he came to England. Then the start was a catastrophe, yeah, yeah, basically. Completely. And then we forget, it's very easy, sorry, not we forget, I'm projecting. Then I forgot that even the Ronaldo saga was this season, because mm. it feels like such a long time ago. But I did think he's got something about him, because he's the first manager to put him on the bench. And not be criticised for it. Yeah, you put Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench, and the team are winning. And there's nothing that needs to be said. This is his stance. This is what's going to be. He was heavy-handed with one of the most significant players in football history. Yeah, yeah. But he's left, and United are doing something better in an image that the manager wants. And the tactical tweaks, they do work. So, like dropping Vegas in to play like an eight. All of a sudden, he could be around De Jong and others. But when they win the ball, they've still got threat in behind. Yeah. If you turn it the other way, if Rashford wins the ball from, um, say, the midfield of Barcelona, he's still got four players in front of him. Yeah. But whereas now, Rashford playing on the shoulder, it means you can win it and play it in straight away. I think that was the goal. Yeah, the second goal, yeah. That was the goal that they scored against. The first goal they scored against, goal. against Barcelona. That yeah. is literally it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. So it's clever. It looks awkward. But <laughs> it's just that big horse was running around exactly. like not really sure exactly. what to do. But, but like tactically it looks very weird but he gets it and he understands why he's yeah. doing it he's very big on runners in behind and runners in behind at whatever level whether it's Champions League or whether it's just playing down the road in Chiswick runners in behind always makes defences uncomfortable and he understands that and he really plays to that so they move the ball well yeah. but say Fernandez gets the ball or others first thing can we go behind can we go behind yes we can there's Rashford 
there's five points on fantasy football, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I think, like last week, Gab said at the end, I think be cheekily, uh, you know, a United in title race, what's the percentage? And I said, I said, I... Uh, I said 10% United and then 45-45. And, and then I said, you know what? Maybe 40-40-20. And that was before this weekend. And that was, so that was on Thursday show, I think. So after City beat Arsenal. Mm. And I still had a feeling that United was just, they were just, they're going to be there all along. And they might come short and they might, you know, they might not at the end really be in the title race, like proper tight, you know, like mm. two points away or something like that. But I think they might be. I'm going to go. And that form, whoever is going to beat them, whether it's Barca on Thursday, yeah. whether it's Liverpool at some point or whoever, I think we'll have to be pretty good for it. Yeah, I agree. Totally. What agree. would be your percentages? I would say 50, 30, 20. 50? Oh, what? 30% City, 20% United? Yeah, but the reason I say that is because United are only three points behind City. Yeah. If it was more, then I'd have a wider gap. But it's just three points. So if people think that City and with a chance and they're sort of stuttering, like if City lost on the weekend and then United won the week after with the game in hand, they're on yeah. the same points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when you're on the same points, that's when I'd level it up. Yeah. But then I still think Arsenal, given the fact that they're two results better than City at present yeah. and two losses better. Yeah. Then yeah, I think this this I think their favourites for it more than City. I like the numbers. Listen, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. 50, 30, 20. Okay, okay fine. I like yeah, that. That's my ranking. Yeah, yeah I like that. Because like if you that. if you make City favourites and they're five points behind Arsenal, I'll be asking, are you okay? <laughs> but they are used to. We were saying, but I mean, hey, listen. If we're gonna talk history, let's talk history. We're gonna talk about the future. Let's talk about the future, my friends. Two two very different things. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, enough Premier League title race, all of that. What about some quickies, Nate? Yeah, let's go, my let's friend. Let's go. Nate, them is two wins in two now for Liverpool after they beat Newcastle on Saturday. Are they back? Are they back to their best or near their best? <laughs> I've been desperate all season to say that they're back because it's Liverpool. You know, yeah. this is what they do. So two wins in a row is great. I think the last game they had before that was 3-0 loss or 2-0 loss to Wolves. Yeah, that's right, 3. So let's try and disregard that and say, yeah, Liverpool are back. The only team to beat Newcastle this season in the Premier League, and they did it twice, my friend. Exactly. They are back. And they didn't concede a goal. <laughs> they tried game. to. I mean, They yeah. tried to, trust me. Because even at 11 v 10, they still conceded chances. Yeah, I know. So it's not perfect. No, it's not. And I'm obviously exaggerating, but... I think some of the players were saying after the game that it felt more like a Liverpool side. Yeah, and even though he hadn't been great throughout the season, seeing Van Dijk come back from injury, mm. that's their little sort of like comfort blanket. So maybe this can be the start of running before you know it. Maybe yeah. they're in the top four, my friend. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So without Karim Benzema, Tony Cruz, Real Madrid win a tricky game away at Osasuna, Jules. They did, Ned. And it's a bit what we've seen from Real Madrid, to be fair, most of the season in the sense that they don't play great. Mm. Really, the first half was like, oh, come on, make something happen here. Yeah. And and then second half was a bit better. And when Vinicius is on it and he creates danger and he creates chances, he missed he missed a couple, but then he was still part. Set up the first goal. Rodrigo then came on, and and I thought had a good impact. But before that, they could have conceded. You know, Courtois made a couple of saves. They were saved by the post. In the end, they win, and it's good because the gap is eight points with with uh, Barcelona. But they haven't given us like a full 90 minutes of convincing performance where you control the game, you don't concede too much chances, you create some, you take them. So, you know, it's a bit... Do you know, in regards to that, It's just not flowing, you know? Educate me as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of La Liga. When was the last time you had a Real Madrid side who who had a statement which was, you know, we control the game, we have all the chances, we give you nothing? When was the last time that felt like Real Madrid and their style? I mean, last last season was a very special season because they had this incredible ability of actually coming back in games and winning. Yeah, them, but like, again, so that's they, different. That's different. But in the there. league, in the league, they were quite con- controlling for okay. some of the games, and they were really like they knew everybody knew what they were doing. There was never any panic. They would know exactly what to do, and sometimes that meant dropping a bit deeper mm. and sitting a bit deep but they were happy with that because Vini and Karim were so good up front like they were unplayable so, last season so what changed? I don't think they're as unplayable like Karim is not the same form Vini mm. doesn't have the same he's been really good but not the same clinicality and the same numbers that he had at this stage last season for example mm-hmm. so and, and Cruz is a year older Modric is a year older Modric doesn't have the same season as he had last, last year either you know so it's a bit of that but you just you can't write them off yeah I know and that. that's the next one Ned because you would be at Anfield on Tuesday night for Liverpool against Real Madrid in yes. the Champions League how do you see this one even if you you've, you used to see Liverpool more than Real Madrid but What's, what's your feeling about this one? I think myself and lots of others see Liverpool at Anfield in the Champions League and think of success. Yeah. And that goes against absolutely any team that exists except for Real Madrid. Like, Real Madrid are the number one. Liverpool, in this instance, this is the only time Liverpool are number two in a yeah, matchup yeah. just through history. But I think it's going to be a fantastic game of football. And I think I'm interested to see how Real Madrid respond to being put under pressure in the way that Liverpool probably will do. It's also strange to see Liverpool not have the second leg at home. Yeah, them, yeah. You know, I'm so used to them finishing top of groups and so on. 
So I think they'll probably understand the importance of getting a good result at home because going to the Bernabeu, needing a result, is a tough spot for a lot of teams, as we've seen historically. Mm. But I'm expecting like a very front foot type performance by Liverpool trying to make Real Madrid comfortable. And I think I, at this moment, can't see Real Madrid scoring, not because Liverpool's defence is that great, but just because of the sort of pressure that will be applied to Real Madrid all across the field. They won't get the chance to really control the game in the but way that I think... Do you think that intensity is really back for Liverpool? Do you think they... I think it will be for Champions League nights. OK. They've you been know. good in Champions League. Yeah. They've been only like... Yeah. But the obviously, they still finished second in that group. But just Anfield on a Champions League night yeah. against a team like Real Madrid, the crowd couldn't be, be any more up for be. it. Yeah, yeah, so I think sure. off the back of that, I think they'll put forward a performance, especially because they've won their last two games. Yeah, yeah. and no Cruz, no Tramini, by the way. Ah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that would uh, that certainly would help. Yeah. So, Jules, there's always something with PSG this season. Yes. So please tell us what happened on Sunday then. I mean, we won to start with, which is great because we had a You've one got Karlsruhe shirt on. You can't say we won. You I mean, support Karlsruhe, don't you? No, as in, I mean, I love this 95-96. I know <laughs> I, you would nah, appreciate it. That's the last time you support them, 95-96. The vintage one. Okay. Um, PSG after three defeats in a row, which... It's ridiculous. Doesn't happen often. Yeah. Uh, only twice in the last 12 years. Um, had to win and they were 3-2 down with three minutes to go and somehow turned it around. I still don't know how because the issue I have, Nadam, is, okay, you win 4-3, Kylian scores 3-3 and then Messi has this free kick with in the 95th minute yeah. to win, okay? And the, the crowd goes mad, the party points explodes. Okay, great. But you were not the better team again. Really? So Lille were better than you. You lost before to Bayern Munich, who were better than you. You lost before to Monaco, who were better than you. And you lost before to Marseille, who were better than you on, in those, on those nights. And you could lose a game being the better side. It happens. We, yeah. We've mentioned it before. But I'm worried that now they're not the best team anymore. The, before, they used to be the best team every single game and they would win most yeah. of them. And then sometimes you've got the old draw. The old but now they're not the best anymore. Mm. And that really worries me. And Neymar got injured. He scored, then got injured. Messi was anonymous until the free kick, which saved his game. And Kylian was Kylian and he was amazing and carried that team. Yeah. But this is not a collective effort. It's, there's no cohesion. And that makes me really worried because really, <laughs> we deserve to lose that game Saturday. Mm. And we deserve to have four defeats in a row, which would have been... Are you feeling okay? Bonkers. Sunday we play at Marseille. Are you feeling okay? I'm not sure that. <laughs> the day between now and Sunday in Marseille, I'm going to be sweating. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, let's have more quick hits. Nathan, we said it before, Manchester United won at the weekend. Marcus Rashford scored again. Again. But should Marcel Sabitzer maybe should have been sent off? And Ten Hag was not happy with the first half, he said. Yeah. To start with the Ten Hag thing, I think what I like about him is the fact that he's so upfront about it. He yeah. doesn't pretend that everything's rosy. He has his standards. If it's not, if they're not met, he will mention the fact that they've not been met. Yeah. And I think the fact he can make changes around that as well, with Sancho coming on, that you know, that's... That's a sign of a good manager. And as for the red card, I don't know, man. I think he looked he, reckless. Yeah, but... If you stop the... Yeah, but that's if you stop it. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it's a kick more than a stamp. If he kept his foot on his leg for a fraction of a yeah, second yeah. longer, 
it feels like more of a red card yes. to me. Yes. I know why some people would be unhappy about it. Yeah. But overall, I think it was probably the right decision. But he just needs to be careful because before you know it, know. you know, you could be serving a three-game ban for such things. Yeah. So Barcelona beat Cadiz at home on Sunday to keep the eight-point gap with the Real Madrid at the top of La Liga duels. But was it convincing? Not, not really, Nathan, to be fair. I mean, they won and Lewandowski scored again, which he, I think he's only scored one in the last six before before Sunday night. We saw good Ferran Torres, who you know, you know well, who's been in and out of the team, more out than in, by the way. Uh, but got his chance because of the rotation that Xavi did and, and, and did well. In the end, I think they, they play so much that all they care about, really, considering they don't have Gavi, they don't have Pedri, they don't have Busquets. So it's, it's a bit maybe more laborious than it would be with all the starting eleven and people really know Dembele either. Mm. I think they just take the win right now and, and are happy with it. They're on an incredible run. I think 18 without a defeat or something crazy like that. Uh, they haven't considered, again, in the league, they have the best defence domestically by far in the whole of Europe. So it's good. It's just that sometimes you expect them to play a bit better. It's Barca. I know, but it's a different Barca this season. Yeah, I It see is a that. different Barca. I see that. Manchester United and Barca gave us a wonderful first leg that you were watching in the Europa League playoff on Thursday last week. And now we have the second leg coming up on Thursday. Do we expect the same, our Trafford? Um, I expect this one to be a bit more one-sided. I think with Barcelona, the injuries that they have, yeah, you know, that doesn't help. And I think at times in the game at the new Camp, I could see... United feeling more dangerous. It was great that Barcelona came back into it because to have the crowd on your side yeah. and to have the energy up there was brilliant. But to have some of those players missing for that second leg, whereas for United, pretty much they're putting out their strongest team as yeah. such. You know, I do fav- I do favour them in that, but I hope it ends up being a really good game. And it's just weird, as you mentioned before, to be talking about Barcelona and talking about how good they are defensively. I know. It doesn't add so up in weird. my mind. Like, this is Barca. You've got Lewandowski. You've got all these players, but... If they are to go through Barcelona, I think defensively they do have to be great. You know what was really interesting in the first leg tactically, and you know you and I were like talking talking tactics, is that Arojo has usually played the centre-back yeah. and Kunde are right-back. Mm. But Xavi clearly swapped them in the first leg thinking that Rashford would play on the left-hand side for United. So against Arojo, so best best forward in Europe against the best defender in Europe, mm. except that Rashford plays centrally, yeah. which I think unsettled Barcelona a bit in that game yeah. and obviously Rashford was good yeah. let's see what happens in the second leg both from Ten Hag point of view and Xavi where do you play Arojo where is Rashford going to play where is Vecos all of that I think is going to be quite good yeah I think it will be but like I say I'm leaning towards United this yeah, moment no, in time I'm which pays me because you know you. I do you. like Barcelona I yeah. do like Barcelona but anyway on Friday the Faderman yeah. did it again for Napoli away at Sassuolo are they unstoppable, Jules? Oh, Gvara, man. I love that. Gvara, Skelia, and Ozzy, man. And you put them together. It's the Gvara, man. They sound, like, Vardaman, yeah. they sound like Marvel superheroes. <laughs> because why not? They are superheroes. Yeah. They are just so good. They both score. They won 2-0 on Friday. They, they're going to win the title for the first time since 1990 at Napoli. And they're just unstoppable. I think with Rashford, they are the, the best in Europe right now. Nobody mm-hmm. is more informed. Gvara, Skelia's goal. He takes the ball in the halfway line. Just accelerated. Dribble past three players. And then intelligent finish. Then Aussie men in a really tight angle with a lovely shot, unexpected shot. It's just everything they do as well works. Do you see what I mean? And I yeah, think the same yeah. with Rashford. Yeah. You get to that point of confidence. It must be so nice. It must be so good. Because as well, it's always attackers. As, I, a, defender, know, as a defender, you could be in that zone and still lose. As an attacker, <laughs> you know you're going to score. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares, my friend. Nobody nah, cares. The environment are great right now, so we should enjoy them. Chelsea are everything but unstoppable, Nadem, at the moment after another loss. This time, I stand for Bridge against 
Southampton who don't even have a manager. <laughs> I mean, come on, what the hell is going on and, and how much pressure now? I mean, come on, we've talked about Prota being under pressure for a few weeks now, but now, come on, this is serious. I think the significance of this game was the fact that they lose to a team that's bottom of the Premier League and they lose at home. So all of a sudden, you know, there's pressure externally from people in the media and so on. You've got really big yeah. takes on him and his position. But when the fans go off you because you see a result like that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, the performance wasn't the worst no, ever. Crazy chances there, yeah. Exactly, Southampton made a lot of last-ditch tackles yeah. and blocks and so on, yeah, which yeah. is not necessarily symptomatic of something where it suggests that you deserve to win. But on this day, you did enough. Mm. I think it's a, it's a crazy spot. It seems like the board is still backing him. They brought in a lot of players. Yeah, like, they seem so. like a long-term yeah. guy. But... I don't know, man. Like, if you get to a point where you can't look forward to going to a home game at Stamford Bridge, God. I think that's when you know you're in a bad spot. It's like one win in 10 or 11, something crazy. Yeah, it's it's not Chelsea-like. And But here's the thing, defensively, they've got the third best record of yeah, four, yeah. 23, but they've also they've only scored 23 goals as well. That's crazy. Which, they have as many, they have eight wins and eight defeats in the Premier League this season. As and, many, and they it, haven't won more than they've lost. Right, that's, that's the definition of mid-table. Same goals scored, same goals conceded, crazy, same wins, same but it's like, so average. It's so, so average at the moment, but obviously things could change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. uh, Bayern Munich have not lost in the Bundesliga since mid-September. They were beaten on Saturday and the manager was not happy at all, was he, Jules? No, Julian Agersman not happy at all because because of the defeat, of course, and it's a bit the buggy team, Gladbach. The last time, I think, the 14 or 15 last games between them, Gladbach won 9 or 10, something crazy like that. So they clearly don't do well against them. There's something there. But that was not handled by the fact that the referee sent off Upamecano after eight minutes. If you haven't seen the red card, go and check it out. Nedam and I agree in the sense that it's really soft yes. to be a red after yes. eight minutes in a game like this. Uh, but the player is through on goal and Upamecano is behind him and he kind of like... He just touches his shoulder. Touches his shoulder. Not even grab him, no. not even like kind of stop him. Uh, player goes down, it's a penalty and it's a red card and they score and after that they go and win 3-2. Gladbach, who then played really well with 11 men against 10, yeah. which again is a bit, you know, and I think, I think if you're Nagelsmann who went mad after the game, like smashed the door, went after the referee and the, knocked at his door <laughs> and like, uh, I can't remember the insult that he used, but you know, all of that, which you would understand, it's not a good look for your team and I think Nagelsmann is getting criticised now in Germany. Yeah. But you can kind of understand, no? Yeah, I, I can understand it but, you know, it's an expensive decision to make, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. And a defeat for a team that is not used to, de- to lose, uh, that's a bad one. Nedem, have you been to, uh, to Manchester United yet? Unfortunately, I missed the deadline. Oh, that's a shame. Me too, by the way. <laughs> it was already and then, you know, all those billions mm-hmm. that I need to reinvest in something else. Now, anyway, the bids had to be turned before Friday. Now, we said uh, the... Qatar Islamic Bank uh, president, Sheikh Yassim Al-Tani and Ineos also have put their bid. That's the ones we know. We, we think there's a Saudi bid as well. There's maybe an American bid too. But we're still not even sure that the Glazers want like a full sell, that they want to get rid of the whole club. Uh, there's still a possibility that they want investors to come yeah. and they stay, they, they stay there, which is um, maybe what so one of the bids are offering them too. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think? This is, a, is, is this a big time? Because there's obviously a lot of fans who want the Glazers out. Yeah. But I guess it also depends who comes in to replace No, them. do you know, to be honest, I think the for me personally, speaking to the United fans that I have living in Manchester, is similar to the Newcastle one with Mike Ashley. Yeah. They don't really care who comes in as long as it's not this person that's yeah. there right now. Okay. And I think they feel like the Glazers have profited from their club and the club's gone down, the toilet, all that stuff. So where the money comes from, 
I don't think they're too concerned because all the bids have come with statements. All the statements tick the boxes in terms of what the fans want, reinvesting into the stadium, putting into the academy, trying to put them back to being one of the best teams in the world, all that stuff. And if you were a fan, it's very hard to ignore those things to then try and focus on where the money's coming from when you just want the money in general. But some fans won't be happy if the Qatari or the Saudis take over. Listen, some fans will not be, but are they fans of the football club or are they fans of football? There's a subtle difference yeah, because yeah. some of those teams, like if you, like you love a you love a football club, you'd never pick who the owners were at any point, and you might have a preference, but you're not going to turn something down if you think it's going to make something yeah. better for you. So all for all the years where, say, some United fans have complained about oil money with City, with other teams like PSG and so on. Now they're now thinking about what they could buy exactly. with the money that's available to yeah. them, and you could call it fickle. But the reality is, perspective and stuff matters. And when something is directly linked to you, it changes the way that you look at things. Mm. And some will be very hard about it, and that's completely fine. But then, if you don't have a choice in terms of who comes in, then what essentially yeah. are you fighting against? But maybe that's just my opinion. No, no, I agree. With um, it was an important win for Inter Milan in the race for second place and a big goal for one Romelu Lukaku Jules. Yeah, that's right. I mean, his first goal in 635 days. Uh, San Siro, he hadn't scored since the first game of the season in, in August. He had that injury. There was the World Cup. He was mm. kind of chasing his form. And also, Lautaro and Zeko did well without him. Inter, yeah. and they, they may still be the best partnership that they could have. Front. So big win. It was a big win for them against Udinese. It was a big win because not just for second place, but also because be, behind them, for, for third, fourth place, there's a lot of teams in, in Serie A. As much as Napoli is dominating and running away with the title, the, the race below is really interesting and fascinating because you lose one game, as we will see later, and you drop like four places kind of thing. So yeah. big game for them to win. Uh, you know, especially with the Champions League coming for them and the Porto game in midweek. But I think Simone was Simone Inzaghi was a bit under pressure. Yeah. It's a big game against Porto. So what, at least, do, what do you think happens to Lukaku? Is he only there for a season? Yeah, the loan is a season. It's a season loan. So where do you see him playing at this point next season? I don't know. I One thing for sure is that Chelsea won't... I mean, I don't think you can sell him because he will still have another three years, three years on his contract. Yeah. I mean, unless you want, you're ready to sell for nothing or nothing almost. But you you bought him for 100 million, yeah, 18 months ago. Mm. It's it's crazy. Mm. He's on big money. Inter right now can't afford all his wages and certainly not the transfer fee on top of all the wages. Yeah, I think he he wants to stay in, at Inter. He said he said that he did an interview 10 days ago. He said that. So what you you loan him again to Inter, but then the devaluation and you you know you're gonna. His, his value won't be the same for Chelsea mm. if you wait another year on loan to, to see what you do with him. Can Potter integrate him in his plans? Is he like a, a Grand Potter player? Is Grand Potter even going to be there next season? So many questions. Oh, man. So many questions. I would not want to be in Romelu's place, that's for sure. Because yeah, you know, I, I don't think that. it's an easy place to be. Yeah. Then on Sunday, is the League Cup final between Manchester United and Newcastle. Are we going to see Loris Karius play <laughs> football again? I, I, mean, I thought he'd retire three years ago. <laughs> Fair respect, please. It's not that old. <laughs> Um, yeah, it certainly seems that way. After that's that red crazy. card for Pope and then the Dubravka having played for United in the competition. But that's a crazy rule, come on. It is a crazy rule, yeah. And I'm confused by the whole red card in this competition, that competition, what counts, what doesn't. Because at one point, I think Bruno Fernandes or someone got two yellows in the League Cup, so he missed the League Cup game but didn't miss a league game. Yeah. Like, 
I don't think that's been explained very well. Yeah. People who made the rules, maybe they'll say it has been, but I've not really picked up on that casually. And it's a shame that that's the way that it's going to work out. But yeah, Lorius is now going to be playing. And more interestingly, from my perspective, because Lorius, you know, whether people like him or not, you know, someone that has played in the Champions League final, whether he played no well way. or not. I mean, Carlos in that Champions League final it. was he a disaster. He got there. He did I it. know he got there, but like, you know, I, I know would have done mean. a better job than him. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, relax. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. But what does Dubravka want? Because if United win, he gets a medal. I know, but Dubravka has played four years in. Dubravka has played football in the last two seasons. Carius hasn't. So he's not even with Carius good yeah, enough in the 28th. He hasn't even played what, football what, what, for what, two years or something. Yeah. So when I get it's, it's so tough. But I think for me, the saving part of things is like Pope is a very good shot stopper. Very, very yeah, good. Yeah. Commands his box, all that stuff. But I don't think the goalie they need to replace him is somebody who will have to be great with their feet, be intricate with playing out. You know, sometimes when you yeah, find a goalie yeah. for a team that's very good with their feet, then you drop down and the next guy's like fundamentally changes the way that you play. I don't think Carius is that. He might Definitely be rusty, not. but he's not that. And yeah, like I'm saying for Dubravka though, because he's played in that cup for United. If United win, doesn't that mean he gets a medal? Yeah. So as he sits there yeah. in the Newcastle kit, well, he won't be in the kit. He will oh, be, new, guess, when his Newcastle suit, just get yeah. up, like, what does he want? He's just gonna get. What, what does he want? <laughs> oh, Marcus, high five! He's gonna shake everybody's hand at the end of the game and say, "Well done, guys. We all had a fantastic, fantastic day." But anyway, I, knowing that, basically for me, I'm gonna go be at that game. And I love going to the cup finals, but as somebody who played for both Sunderland and Man City... Oh my God, there's no winners for you. Listen, it's going to be a long old day, my friend. Oh, a long, I'll be old thinking day. of you on Sunday. No, nah, please don't. But anyway, <laughs> it was a big win for Let's Go this weekend, Jules. But who was the hero this time? Antoine Griezmann of and his course. big hair. Of course. Big game against Atletico, uh, Atletico Club de Bilbao because they're fighting also to try to finish the top four. Again, it's quite tight between Real Sociedad... Atletico, uh, Betis, and, and Bilbao not too far, to be fair. Uh, so it was a big game. They left it late, 75th minute, I think it was. So bursting through and then really lovely finish for Griezmann. I think it's the 1,000th uh, goal on the Simeone of some, some crazy start. So he could all in, in La Liga in the next 10 years or something like that. And, and only Griezmann, really, who's been really talism- the talisman for them since coming back. Uh, and it's good to see him in that kind of form because the burst of pace to go and, and create the, the chance for himself pretty much, it's really cool and you, you saw how much he made. I mean, it was an ugly orange kit. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. But, you know, good win, well done. Between the orange kit, the pink hair, the green of the grass, I was, my head was like literally exploding <laughs> watching that game. I was like, what is going on yeah, here? Sometimes good to watch a game in black and white. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Well done to Griezmann, though. Well done to Griezmann. It was also a big win for Spurs. In the London Derby against West Ham at home on Sunday. Nedem, do you think they will finish top four? What's, what's your view on the top four race now behind, behind the, the top, top three. three that we mentioned in the, uh, in the first segment? Initially, I never thought it would be a top three plus one because it seemed like Newcastle were very much yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. pull, just pulling up trees as well. But they have slowed down a little bit. And Spurs being in there, Newcastle have a game in hand. I think this game against Man United in the League Cup on the weekend could be key because if they win that, I think that's a big boost. If they lose it, I think that could be like one of the first like dagger blows of their whole season. Yeah, I agree. But then there are also teams behind. You look at Brighton, you are a million miles away. You look at Liverpool, who yeah. are starting to just climb yeah, up yeah, the league think, just little yeah, by little. Liverpool could do it. Yeah, for but then also, for context, the first half in that game against West Ham was one of the worst 45s of the oh whole game week, you know. So we've seen so them being that bad earlier this exactly. season, before this season. And you've got Benton core out, you've got a few other yeah. players missing. But they're in there now, so you've got to say at some point. And also, I need to, I need to, this, I'm so happy I'm on the show today. So yesterday on FC, yeah. 
I made a mistake and I was talking about Spurs being in the Conference League. It's like I went back in the time machine no to a year ago. So I'd like <laughs> to address think, that now. What made you think that they were in the it's Conference League? It's just because it's Spurs. Even okay. though I watched them against AC Milan a yeah. few days earlier, yeah, yeah, my brain left my body. Oh, it's okay. You're... So this is my chance to correct it. I've corrected it. I know you're in the Champions League. I watched the game itself. <laughs> and so my credit is, I think you're in, fo- you're in fourth now. Obviously, some injuries are going to sort of lower your ceiling. Yeah. But... I think Liverpool will have to do particularly well to catch you, and I think they're capable. But as it stands, I think you've got to go with Spurs as favourites for that fourth position. You know, on Sunday they play Chelsea at home. Spurs. Will Chelsea I, I, score a goal though? Which will Spurs be as bad as they went the first the first hour against West Ham? We're supposed to be selling this game as being a classic. <laughs> you should definitely <laughs> all watch this game classic. because it's going to be yeah, another be magnificent <laughs> London derby. So after years of Bayern domination, for the first time in a long time, we have a huge title race in the Bundesliga with Bayern, Dortmund, and Union. All level jewels. Crazy. All 43 points. We mentioned Bayern Munich, obviously, and what happened at Gladbach before. Union Berlin, who could have been on their own at the top, had they won against Schalke, only drew. It was not a good game, but to be fair, they played on Thursday against Ajax, a big game in the Europa League, in the playoffs. So you could see them being, and they don't have that much depth in the squad. It's a bit better now after the January transfer with them, but not that much. Dortmund, emphatic winners, although they lost at the Yemi, who scored a lovely little back here. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you saw. I did, yeah. They lost him to what looks like a hamstring problem, which is, which let's hope it's not too bad, but looked look bad, to be fair. Uh, but huge win for them. They've got so much momentum now. It's, it's, uh, so eight wins in eight now in all competitions for Dortmund since the restart. So pretty fantastic. And now you think, okay, Bayern... A bit like in the in in the city, Arsenal, United, yeah. Bayern have to be the favorite because they've been there before. They won the last nine titles, and they they are Bayern. Mm. But you know, Union are fighting, and they they're not giving anything away. Dortmund have that kind of momentum, and they've got so much talent going forward with Ala, Brown, Reina, Royce who's coming back, scored a lovely free kick. Malen scored as well. Adeyemi who might be injured, but all of that is is brilliant, mm. and it's good because usually before at that time of the season, the Bundesliga is it's done. You know, Bayern are going to win, so now it's cool. And even behind that, they're not too far. Leipzig, Freiburg. But so, can we get you on record to say that Bayern Munich are not going to win the Bundesliga? Not yet. <laughs> Just not yet. Just okay, not yet. Okay. Roberto De Zerbi was not happy with the referee and VR on Saturday again. Nathan after Brighton, uh, the Brighton game against Fulham and the, the defeat. He said he wasted two hours listening to Howard Webb uh, <laughs> talking to him about referees and VAR earlier in, the, uh, earlier in the week. Did he have a point? Uh, I think he has a point because I think what he was trying to say was that he's, his issue with the refereeing was the attitude of the referees. Yeah, which looked bad again. Yeah, it's, the first time. It's, it's the attitude of the referees but every referee is different. They approach games in different ways. And the decisions, you might think that, you know, they're all going to say the same thing, but sometimes they don't. And the way in which they discuss it afterwards Mm. is what can really upset you. And I think for this match itself against Fulham, they had the vast majority of the chances. They they controlled the game, it looked like. So then to lose 1-0 at home is frustrating as well. So all everything, it's like the perfect storm to just be really unhappy at football. You must be so frustrated. I know, I know. And, you know, you can talk to Howard Webb, but Howard Webb's not the one that's refereeing the game on the weekend. I know, I know. know, Howard Webb's a good guy, good spokesperson. We'll try and represent them all. But every referee's so different that whatever he says might make sense for one guy, but maybe not for the 10 others. So Deserby's... uh, He's one of many people who doesn't necessarily love referees overall in their attitudes, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'd imagine most referees don't love our attitudes out there on the field either. Do, do you know what I like? A bit edgy. Because obviously there was a there was a 
bit of contentious decision on Veltman and yeah. the penalty. But yeah. Veltman came afterwards and said, you know, the, I, I the right tried to get it, but yeah. it was the right decision. It was not yeah. a foul. Well done to the referee. And I think that is good for the game as well. Uh, it's good for the game if everybody hears it. Yeah, true. But that's the thing. Sometimes some things are said and very few people hear it. Because don't you don't want just, to hear yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. hear it. You're wrong. Like, you feel the outrage of, say, for example, the decision. We should have had that. We should have had that. And someone says, oh, Veltman's... No, he didn't. No, no he's wrong. <laughs> Veltman's wrong. He didn't. It's definitely a penalty at the moment. Um, it was another... Uh, sorry, after their poor result against Nantes, yeah. Juventus beat Spezia on Sunday, but it was not that convincing yet again, was it, No, at all. They won 2-0. Mo- Moise Kane scored, and then Di Maria scored from a long-range shot. But they were so bad. Nathan, it was... Re- I mean, really, I know... Their manager was probably on that non-second leg yeah. in France on Thursday. Again, I think it's really difficult to play when your first leg and second leg are back-to-back almost. Yeah. In, mid- in, the, in between of that, when you go back to the league, it might be a bit tricky. I just think Juventus, and to be fair, I agree, rotated a lot. The players and everything, so okay, it was maybe more of a B team. But Spezia is 17th, man. Mm. And at times, it looked like Juventus were the team in 17th. Spezia yeah. had more of the ball. They, they, it was, they were better. And I was just like, okay... Again, you take the win and you move on. Okay, they're up to seventh now, Juventus, after losing all those points, being dug the points. But in terms of performance, if I'm not, I was like, like mm, okay, yeah. you never know. I mean, you know, 1-1 one, one yeah, in the first fair. leg. They need something special, not. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Lee Mason has retired from being a VAR referee after his mistakes in the Arsenal game. And I think his mistakes through the whole season, to be fair. Wise choice. Well done, Lee Mason. Well done. Uh, no, sorry, is this a question or a statement for <laughs> Julian Laurent? Don Hutchinson last week said he should go. He should be sacked. I so, mean, I don't think they can sack him. Lo and yeah. behold here, we're in a position whereby we have the emotion of football. Yeah. And then we have the human side. And like, I've been very guilty myself of being a bit too forceful with Lee Mason in the past. Like, I've had a few bookings from him and I've really, really gotten into his face about really? it. Really, very much so. But, if you were but to rightly s- so or not? For me, of course. Yeah, like, yeah. if you were to look at, um, if you were to somehow Google my name and Lee Mason yeah. and then look at images. No way! There's a lot I'm going to do that. There's a lot of aggression in there. <laughs> but I think um, with him... It's not to say that he's a bad referee, but he's got one of those roles, as is like a goalkeeper, where you can't afford to make mistakes because it will affect your credibility. And if he's going to be in a VAR booth after what happened in that game where yeah. everyone knows that he made a mistake, yeah. people will be unhappy to see their face. Yes, true. That's a very, very tough standard for anyone yeah. to have as a job. So I think given how big that blunder was... I think he's made the right decision yeah, because he, never, he was never to be trusted. And if you're not trusted by the audience, then there's no point in you being there. And and probably not by Howard Webb and the people above you. Yeah, so you it's know. like, it's, I don't think he would have necessarily been sacked. Yeah. But I think he's wise enough to understand because yeah, he's yeah. been around for a long time that you don't want to be the guy where your name's basically being dragged through the mud. As you've said yourself and Don, like people think that you're no good. So there's no way as a referee to get back your reputation because they're always waiting for that one mistake. You could have a perfect you yeah. could have a perfect game be like, well, you know, next time this is going to do a blunder because that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. So I think his credibility is gone. You know, gone. in France, on, so for Ligue 1, one of the sponsors is a fast food chain. Uh, and one of the adverts is that the ref is calling for VR, the people in the VR yeah. room. And they're not there because they're eating their, their burgers, mm-hmm. the fast food. And my kid said that, that's Lee Mason. <laughs> 
this is so this when the man rap saying Lee Lee what's the line is the offside and he's eating his burgers this is and that, and that's the thing is this is where like there's such a split like I know that I love it when people get the jokes off but then Lee Mason's probably just like know, all right, I know I'm sorry Lee Mason no you're not sorry though, that's I'm not the really thing. sorry you're not really sorry I'm glad you're gone before, <laughs> before, <laughs> before facing Man City on Wednesday in the Champions League how did Leipzig do this weekend they did really well Nadam they did really well and Calm I think down. This is no 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 you sound good. too happy about no, this no, you no, sound no, too I'm happy about this tranquil tranquil my friend and City are favourite and they should be and you've played them like doing, every yeah, year for the last five doing, years yeah, yeah, oh, relax I'm not playing them don't no, say no, no, you I'm I mean, not playing you as I'm in Manchester City okay. your team and you, you there's always like a ton of goals no, no, no there's too much excitement from your voice no, 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 I'm just this saying. question didn't need to be here but my here we boy, are my boy and Cuckoo is back uh, he that's... came on gave an assist just like this <laughs> yeah of course um, Gvardiol gave a big interview this weekend in the Times and saying that you know he thought he was going to go to Chelsea he could have gone to Leeds and Chelsea uh, and it didn't happen and he, he felt a bit unsettled but now he's back and I think he, he wants to he, Inevitably, at some point, whether it's at Chelsea, Arsenal, United, City, wherever, Liverpool, he's going to go to, the, to one of the big clubs in the Premier League, which would be great. But he's also said, which I find fascinating, he said, he said, whenever Nkunku goes, I'm going with him, by the way. So Chelsea fans, get excited because you might get both Nkunku and Vardyol. Have they got enough lockers, though, in the training ground or not? You can't take sure. both. If there's only I mean, one spare. 30, I, I think <laughs> But Vardyol also said, like, I've never seen someone as good as Nkunku, really. And when you think that the guy plays with Modric and yeah. No, it's, I think it's a pretty good statement. So this is going to be, I think, a fascinating contest. I, sti- I still expect City to go through, and I think City are favourite, yeah. and the two teams know each other very well. But that was a good win, I think, for Leipzig to prepare for, for, yeah, the, for the City time, for sure. Absolutely. The FA has announced, Nadam, something really interesting, trying body cams for referee at grassroots level, so amateur level, here in England, to stop the verbal and physical abuse that referee, apparently, especially this season, is, is risen massively. Mm. Referees have received in those kind of, you know, Sunday, Sunday morning league football, if you want, uh, even some, some of them refereeing for, you know, under 16, under 18, at that level, they get abused. To just, to just have that camera there and, and see the guys who assault, uh, assault you verbally, yep. physically, whatever. And we have to protect the referees at every level, yep. but especially at the grassroots level. So they're going to try it and see if that works, if it doesn't work, the reaction, if maybe that make people not abuse the referee because they're, they're on camera, clearly. Do you, are you on board with this? Do you think it's a yeah, good idea? I, I, could it work? Yeah, yeah, I think it could work. And I'm on board with it because I don't think you should be making a referee feel unsafe in doing the yeah. job. But I also have to make a point here because I've received criticism myself and lots of others on shows that I've been on because they say that we set the example at the professional level for everything. And and I don't think that's the case because for some of the people who abuse referees, they're the same age or older than the people who they're saying are setting the example when they're older. And as a player at the highest level, it's your profession. It's not your hobby. Yeah. If If you go to a referee and say, excuse me, and referee books you, there's nothing you can do about it. If you take another step forward, you're sent off. That means that you won't be playing in the next game. Yeah. That means you might get sacked by your football club. So this idea of the abuse that sort of players have, like the, the language of, say, Arsenal or City fail to control their players, that comes from like two or more players being around a referee. Nobody's touching the referee. No one's yeah. pushing the referee. No one's saying something to the point whereby they're going to get in trouble because at the end of the day, the referee has the choice to say whatever they want. Mm. A referee in the Premier League doesn't need um, like a body cam because there's no issue with safety yeah, because yeah. they're ultimately in control. Whereas I think lower down in the pyramid, they're not in control. Yeah, People feel they can do whatever they want. 
And some of the acts which you've heard of, whether it's punching referees, saying I'm going to go and get something from my bag and yeah. so on, like, that's unacceptable. That's completely unacceptable. But how does that come from the professionals? Because no professional yeah, has ever muttered those you. words. Yeah, yeah. But I think I'm glad that the body cam idea is one which is going to go forward because people who do abuse referees to that standard need to be held accountable. Mm. I think most refs, especially at the highest level, do understand that there's a huge amount of emotion that's involved in playing professional football because every result doesn't just dictate three points. You can have a wider range yeah, of influence as well. Yeah. But players still know themselves what they can and can't do. When a player sent off for verbally, quote-unquote, verbally abusing a referee, trust me, it's very different to what you'll see on a Sunday yeah, yeah, with like sure. somebody who had a bad week or something. Yeah. So it's good that they're bringing that in to protect them. But then in the same breath, I think it's a disgrace that that's what's needed. Yeah, I know. Because I you should feel safe doing your job, I yeah. think. Um, the race for third in Serie A is fascinating, Jules. Uh, what's the latest? Yeah, I mentioned it a bit before when we talked about Inter Milan because even with them, uh, you've got five teams in six points for second, third and fourth. Uh, so three are going to miss out. You've got Roma that won, by the way, this weekend. Lovely team goal. So back in with his first goal for the club since, since joining. Big win for them. Uh, 1-0. Lazio, who also there won. Atalanta, for example, were third before the weekend. They lost to Lecce at home, which was a bit of a surprise. Although Lecce have a thing to... Uh, get upset, you know, create upset against bigger clubs. Now they, they go from third to sixth just because of their defeat, because the others won, etc. So I expect it to be, even from Inter down, those six points, the six points gap between second and, uh, and seventh to be really like fascinating, quite passionate, hectic. There's a few games in between each other as well that yeah. others can benefit from. So it's going to be great. And again, you know, the, the title race is gone. We said that Napoli is so good. But before that, a bit like what we see in Germany for between the top three, what we see in France with, with Marseille, Monaco, PSG, and in England, of course, for the top four, for the title race, it's great. And before... Maybe by March, you'll be pretty sure on who was finished who, a gap between fourth and fifth, for example, that kind yeah. of stuff. Pretty much everywhere, apart from Spain, I guess, for the title race, everything, and, and obviously Serie A for title race, everything is still, is still up for grabs, which is, which is what it should be. Yeah. Really. Terrible news coming out of Turkey in as Christian Atsu's body was recovered in the rumbles of the earthquake in, in Turkey and, and Syria. Our thoughts are with his family, of yeah, course. Yes, of course, yeah, 100%. It's such a, you know, it is a disaster. And then when you start to find connections with people who've been there, who've suffered people, mm. who've touched the lives of so many in this country as well, you know, it does really put things into perspective. But I guess... You know, the, the thoughts and prayers do make a big difference in this moment. I think they'll be very appreciative of it. And I think even, was it Mohamed Kudus? He had yes. a message for him after he scored on the weekend. Yeah, and the national team teammate. And, and the referee didn't book him as well yeah, for lifting yeah. the show up to show Great that. Touch. And that, I think that shows the sort of human side of football itself because, you know, we all play the game according to the laws, but here's something which is far bigger yeah. than the game itself. And it's such a tragedy. And we hope that, you know, those who suffered can find peace at some point and... Hopefully this type of thing doesn't happen. Yeah, again. we saw his family at the Newcastle Liverpool game when his wife was in tears there. So yeah, incredibly. Yeah, so. we're with him. And finally, Jules, the one and only Yaya Toure was honoured last night by the Football Writers Association. Indeed, he got like um, a special award for his career in the Premier League. Of course, it was really, really good. He gave a, a really nice speech. A lot of people spoke. Patrick Vieira was there as well. Chris Powell, who is now in charge of in charge of Yaya at the Spurs Academy, yeah. who's Yaya is, is doing his uh, coaching and doing his badges and everything. And it was great. I mean, you played with him. You know yeah. better than better than me, of course. What an incredible, talented, yeah. 
player he was. But we all watched him though as well. Yeah. You know, whether you played him or watched him, like he's he's a one of one. You know, yeah. I can't find a comparable player through all the years that I've watched football. I think on his day in fact, even when he wasn't on his day, he's a match winner for City. I always mm-hmm. felt that if he played anywhere near his best, he's one of the few players where you knew he was going to be the difference in the match itself. Yeah. That shows how good he is. And what was the message that Vincent Company had for him? Yeah, so Vinny Vinny said you were an amazing player. And and when you wanted, you could even defend. Yeah, it just goes to show there's certain people where you say, okay, please, please defend. Sometimes you you tell people, but when you're that talented, you just ask them nicely if they did. You know, it was always a good day, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Right, Nathan, that's all all we have time for today. Thank you so so much for coming on. No problem. It was a great show. Pleasure. You'll be back on Thursday because it's me and Nathan again together on Thursday. Gabby's only back next week and in the meantime as Gabby always says love yourself love the game love your neighbour or something like that something like that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all don't search match with Indeed if you need to hire you need Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 